Jesus is talking. Uh, Matthew's recorded these words and wants us to pay close attention. Listen, verse 41, chapter 5. If a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask and turn and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Say amen. I say to the person next to you, obviously he's talking to you. <laughs> I mean, that's what we say anyway, right? We read the past like, he can't be talking to me, he's talking to you. <laughs> All right, chapter 16, verse 24. Then Jesus says to the disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, shall selfish ways, take up your cross, shall cross, and follow me. If you are trying to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you will give up your life for my sake, Jesus says, you will save it. Shall amen. Please be seated. God, thank you for your word. Work supernaturally in our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, for those of you who may be joining us, uh, this is the second week in our Radical Living series. Essentially, we're making the point that uh, to be a Christian is more, it's, it's not simply saying, I believe, but rather it is about making a decision to follow Jesus. And every week we're looking at different aspects of what it means to follow Jesus. Last week we talked about uh, that part of what it means to follow Jesus is a commitment to radical generosity. This week, the big ideal is part of what it means to follow Jesus is a commitment to radical sacrifice. Everybody shout sacrifice. sacrifice. Now, on yesterday evening at about 5 o'clock, uh, when most of us were getting ready to do whatever we do on Saturday evenings and Saturday nights, there were a group of folk gathered here, hard at work for about an hour and a half, maybe two hours. They were setting up this sanctuary, and uh, they had more than a thousand bulletins that a couple of volunteers earlier this week folded. So these bulletins that you're looking at today with the card in it, it was a couple of volunteers folded those bulletins. They had to set those out, <clears throat> set up the PA system set up all of the classrooms that we're caring for our kids in, set up the hospitality, et cetera, et cetera. While we were watching TV or returning from the park or whatever, we have to set this up because we leased this building and we, they could only come in when the sun go down because that's the end of the seven-day Adventist Sabbath week. Because that's when we started. But what would call, cause a group of folk, and they do this every week, to give up a couple of hours on Saturday evening to do this kind of stuff. Set up tables and chairs. Why would you do that? Not go to the game or something. Well, maybe it's because the folk who do this, they find deep fulfillment in helping to set things up. He said, well, wait a minute. That doesn't really compute. You mean 
there's deep fulfillment in setting up tables and chairs and putting out bulletins? Really? Well, put a pin there. We'll come back to that in a minute. Matthew wants us to hear Jesus say, and if Jesus was here, he'd be standing on the stage and he'd be looking out to you and he would be saying these words, anyone who wants to be my follower has to turn from your selfish ways, pick up your cross, that's, everybody shout cross, that's the symbol of suffering, the symbol of dying, and to say pick it up, that means you're going to do it by choice, so that makes it a symbol of great sacrifice, pick up the cross and follow me. That's a call. Well, here's what we know. We know that most of us at some point during the course of our life uh, really wanted to live lives that really, really mattered. That most of us at some point during the course of our living dream of living a life that really makes an impact on the world that is a part of something bigger than ourselves. But we also know that for most of us, at some point, real life sets in and we get busy. Can you say busy? busy? We get busy. We get busy pursuing our educational goals. We get busy pursuing our career goals. We get busy building our family. And at some point, we become comfortable as we begin to manage the busyness of our lives. And we move from being busy to being comfortable to simply being normal. Ask the person next to you, are you normal? <laughs> the last couple of weeks, and my daughter's here on the front pew here, and, and as, as I have been uh, torturing her over the last couple of weeks in a variety of ways, she will from time to time simply say, Daddy, you're not normal. <laughs> I'll come back to this. Normal. What's remarkable is that we become normal and what Matthew wants us to hear Jesus say is that if anyone who will follow me, uh, let him or her return from their selfish ways and pick up their cross. What Matthew wants us to hear Jesus say is that to follow him is a call to be not normal. That at the end of the day, folk who follow Jesus are not normal. Say to the person next to you, did you know that if you follow Jesus, you're not normal? Ask them. Now, so, so finally somebody gets to breathe a sigh of relief. Really? Now I can admit I'm not normal. It's okay. Here's what I think is fascinating. For people who are not Christian, contrary to proper belief, when they look at the church and they look at Christians, uh, those of us who profess to be followers of Jesus, they never really, not most people, most people do not think that we will be perfect. They don't look for Christians to be perfect. Most folk don't. They don't look for Christians to be flawless. They just assume that if you're a follower of Jesus, that you're different in them. They, they expect to be able to look at your life and see something in your life that's, that's, that's a little different that actually kind of inspires them. 
Not that you're perfect or flawless, but just... And the problem is that most folk who look at others who say that we are followers of Jesus and they cannot discern for the life of them any difference at all between folk who follow Jesus and folk who don't. And what Matthew says is Jesus calls us to be not normal. Now, one of the interesting things about Matthew, you remember, he starts off uh, designated to become a priest. He ends up being a tax collector, which means that he's, he's focused on acquiring as much money, as much stuff as possible for himself. And yet when he hears Jesus begin to preach and teach around him, the preaching of Jesus taps something within him that causes Matthew and Peter and James and John and Andrew and all the folk who ultimately end up following Jesus, taps something within them that causes them to leave their career and their, their, their family and follow him. Well, what was that? Well, here's the deal. That, that when we spend most of our lives focused on ourselves, Serving ourselves, gathering stuff for ourselves. Uh, 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 and some of us have influence and others of us have decent money and all of that. But the truth be told, on a quiet day, if you would just listen to your soul, you would determine that while all of that seems to be going well for you, something deep down inside is missing. There's a part of you that goes, you know, you're paying your bills. The family is pretty good. You're going back and forth to work. You're engaging in school. And yet there's some part of you that kind of says, isn't there something more? Well, here's the secret. Here's the secret to moving towards meaning. It is to, re to realize that God has shaped all of us. Down in our genetic code, he has shaped us for the purpose of giving, serving, and sacrificing. And when we give, serve, and sacrifice, we find deep meaning. Now, wait a moment. I know somebody's saying, wait a moment, Pastor. I feel like I'm giving all the time. And I'm always pouring myself out. And I, and I don't find, as a matter of fact, I, I, I feel meaningless. Well, a life of me. Well, Here's a little, I didn't finish the statement. God has shaped us to give, serve, and sacrifice for others. See, the average person who says, I feel like I'm pouring myself out, what you're really describing is, you just say, look, I'm just, I mean, I just, I'm going behind my kids, picking up and cleaning up every day. I'm just, you know, I'm just pouring myself out. Or, you know, are you the spouse who comes home and says, as soon as I get home, I've got this long honeydew list to fulfill. You know, come on, man, I just kind of really kind of pouring myself out. But, but, but really, you're pouring yourself out for you, for your family, for your interests, for your needs. But what really sparks your soul is when you're willing to pour yourself out for others. What sense? Your soul of fire. This is what Matthew found out as he went from being totally self-focused to hearing in Jesus this call to choose a sacrificial living for somebody other than Matthew. He changed his life. Well, let's look at how it 
reflects itself in the, in the text very quickly. Uh, go back to the Beatitudes, chapter 5. Listen, it starts really with chapter 4, verse 17. Matthew wants us to hear Jesus call us. He says uh, simply, repent, turn from your sins. It's kind of just living a life just for you. Uh, and turn to God because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. First thing Matthew says is that one of the things that struck him is that in following Jesus, he could, he, could be a, he could be a part of something that was bigger. The kingdom of, not the kingdom of Matthew. He'd been focused on the kingdom of Matthew, building his own kingdom. But here is the kingdom of God. It's bigger than the Republican kingdom, than the Democrat kingdom, than the United States kingdom, right? It's the kingdom of heaven, right? He says, I can be a part of something bigger, the work of God in the world. And then he, 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 he noticed the teaching of Jesus. So chapter 5, he starts off, and Jesus starts off by teaching, you know, you know, invest your life in the things that God is blessing. So blessed are the poor. Everybody shout poor. We were here last week. You remember, let's break that word down because it's so easy to, to kind of confuse. This poor is just kind of an ambiguous word. It's kind you know, it's, it's abstract. So poor, what are we talking about when we talk about poor? We're talking about uh, homeless people. Well, we're not just talking about people who live in parks. We're talking about people who go to work. And by the way, we're not just talking about people who don't have jobs. We're talking about some people who go to work and they come back and live in their car. We're talking about folk who live in garages. We're talking about folk who live with their family because they can't afford to have a space for themselves. Everybody shout homeless. All right. We're talking about those who are hungry. As a matter of fact, in the world, somewhere in the world, every day, 21,000 people die of hunger. Every day are hunger-related issues, which means every four seconds, someone is dying of hunger. 1,001. 1,002, 1,003, someone just died of hunger. Poor. Well, poor, that's, that's folk who are stuck in schools that are, that are, that are ill-resourced, that don't have the resources that they need in order to drive the educational plans and equip the, the folk, you know, and the schools are not high-performing, but, but they're, they're stuck there, you know, poor. And Matthew says that he discovered that in the preaching and teaching of Jesus, that Jesus was suggesting to Matthew that part of what changed his life was that, that Matthew was to be concerned about the poor and those who are grieving. Be a comforter and the humble and, 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 and being humble. Now, here's C.S. Lewis's definition for humble. I love his, his definition. He says, being humble is not, is not thinking less of yourself. It's thinking of yourself less. Thinking of yourself less. Thinking of others more. And so we come to this wonderful, interesting passage in uh, at, at verse 39 is really where it begins, uh, where uh, 38 says, Jesus says, look, you've heard it says, eye for an eye and two for a two. Look, I'm going to change the formula here. He says, so try, don't resist evil. He says, at the end of the day, if somebody hits you on one cheek, 
you, you turn the other. I told you last week ago, my friend who said, you know, he's got two cheeks. So if you get his on one, he's going to turn the other. After that, he's out of cheeks, his own, right? So, but he obviously missed the point here, all right? So, so, so Jesus then says, and if somebody sues you for your coat, you, you give them your shirt. And then Jesus says, uh, if, 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 if a Roman soldier, and they had the legal authority to do this in that day, forces you to carry his gear one mile, you go a second mile. And then he says, it seems like these things are not related with this last verse, like it's just dropped in here like out of nowhere. He says, so don't turn away from those who essentially who are in need. Don't turn away from those who want to borrow. Well, what's the point here? Well, I, I think the basic point is this. In being sued uh, and in being forced to go a mile, here's the suggestion. A lot of us, when we think about, I just told you about hungry people, starving people, uh, people who are dying, and the first thing that kind of creep up in our lives, we think about, man, we've been so busy, we've been passing by all these people, and we just haven't even seen them, they're invisible, so we kind of begin to kind of feel a little guilt behind it, right? Everybody say guilt. And so we kind of think, okay, well, my, I got to go do something, serve somewhere, because they're kind of feeling guilty. I, I, and that kind of reflects that first mile, right, where, where people, people had to carry the gear because the law said if you didn't, you'd be punished. But Jesus says, so if you got to go, go to second mile. Here's what Jesus said. I don't want to motivate you by guilt. I want to inspire you by holding up to you that if you turn sacrificial living for others into a lifestyle, into what you choose, that's when you'll find that your life will be transformed and other lives will be transformed through you. Because guilt doesn't last long. Guilt doesn't last long. And yet we're all shaped. Listen, anybody remember ever a, a, a day when you just really kind of served with no conditions, or you gave gener generously. I remember, for example, our last beautiful day, we all ascended on Columbia uh, Middle School, and I walked around there, man, people were, were planting uh, flowers, and they were, they were pulling up weeds, and they were cleaning up classrooms by the hundreds. And I just walked around there, man, everybody was laughing and playing with one another, excited, man, hard at work, some out in the sun, and, and sh shoveling dirt, pushing dirt. And, 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 and as I walked around, what, what struck me was, I, I didn't hear anybody cussing anybody out. I, I, I didn't see no fights breaking out. I, I, I just, oh, everybody's just kind of laughing and nobody perfect. All these imperfect folk out there serving. What, 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 what was so unique about it was that, you see, when we are sacrificing for others, it, it impacts us. It brings a sense of joy in our lives. Uh, we, we just feel better. Doesn't matter what you leave at home. We just feel better. Because that's how God shaped us. And when we focus solely on ourselves, we get lost in ourselves. And we wake up in the morning with the thought, something is missing. So how do I move towards meaning? I love how y'all ask questions. That's a great question. The first thing to do is as you get ready to move towards meaning, hearing Jesus says, turn from your selfish ways. By choice, pick up your cross and follow me. The first thing you have to do is just simply start. 
Start somewhere. Come on, tell the person next to you. Just get started. Tell them. I mean, let me borrow a phrase from Nike. Just do it. <laughs> wonderful story by, uh, about Mother Teresa. One reporter had gone to do a big story on her. Found Mother Teresa in the streets of Calcutta. Hundreds of people lying in the street. The stench of death is present. People are sick and dying and, you know, just horrendous. You couldn't step without almost stepping on someone. And he found Mother Teresa out there and he looked around. And he said, Mother, he said to Mother Teresa, he said, so overwhelming. He says, where do you start? And Mother Teresa looked down at someone who was lying down. She got down, lifted his head and started caring. She said, start right here. Start right here. Isn't that the point, right? Many of us, when we look in the church and the community or other countries, we see all these needs. As a matter of fact, there are just so many needs. It's like, where do we start? And we become immobilized. Or the problem is so huge. It's like, where do we start? Well, little old me, I really can't impact that problem. And what Mother Teresa said is what Matthew's saying is what Jesus said. No, no, just open your eyes. See the need right in front of you. Start there. I have a friend whose name is Pastor Paul Baines. A wonderful pastor and for a number of years has been pastoring a church in East Palo Alto. Church is not a huge church. They 45, 35 to 50 people on Sunday. Another reminder that a lot, if not much, of the heavy lifting that churches do in this country, it's small churches who do it in really powerful ways. A number of years, Pastor Baines just preaching to his people about being followers of Jesus. At some point, it clicked. To be a follower of Jesus is to have a shift in my heart. Uh, you remember last week, I last week I talked about this. Let's see, can I find this again? I talked about this. Here it is. Last week I talked about how, you know, Matthew says before he met Jesus, his heart was just full of my, me, and myself. And what, and what, what Pastor Baines people realize is that, is that following Jesus means to, uh, to actually have a shift in your heart so that at the center of the heart, this focus is now on God, which means it's on others. And so they started to ask the question, what can we do as followers of Jesus? And they realized that there were tons of, a number, hundreds of homeless people throughout East Palo Alto and, and, and in the area. And so they said, they had access to a building, and they processed and prayed, and they concluded, if we put 12 cots in this building, we can house overnight 12 homeless people. Everybody say 12. So that's where they started. They couldn't do anything about the hundreds, but they said, you know what? We can care. The small congregation, about 50 or less people, we can care for 12 people. And so they've got 12 carts and they opened up the facility and they made it known and 12 homeless people came in and, and they started caring for them every night and then they got with some social workers and built some programming around that. They asked the question, well, what, what do these people need in order to, to get into permanent housing? They figured out there's four or five things that they needed and they started building programs around that. And so every night they care for 12 people and at the end of a year they found out they had cared for more than 500 people. 
and they called it Project Rehope. <laughs> Celebrate that. That's awesome. Most of us think that in order to make a big impact, we got to do big stuff. We have to do big things. But if you've lived as long as I have, you'll discover that most big impact comes from doing small things. Doing small things. It's sending the note to someone who, who feels like they have been forgotten and you send a note to them. Small things. It's carrying a, a basket of fruit to somebody who's in the hospital because, you know, you're not normal. Because normal folk are too busy to do it, but you're not normal. And you carry a basket of fruit, and it totally makes the difference. Small things, like people gathering here on Saturday evenings at 5 o'clock, pulling out tables and chairs and setting up PA system. Nobody's going to ever write there about what they do in a newspaper. Most of you don't even know who they are, but they, they have they figured out if we do these small things, we'll have testimonies like a month and a half ago when one fellow that we baptized said he had a PhD. He had been running from God all of his life. He thought that he was in charge, but there was an emptiness there. And he showed up at a beautiful day. Our beautiful day started to serve with us. Then he joined a small group. And then he started to come to worship. And somewhere in there, he learned about the love and the grace and the forgiveness and the power of Jesus. And it literally changed his life. And he was being baptized about a month and a half ago. That was happening because of folks showing up on Saturday evening doing small things. Small things. Small things. So, you got to decide that you're going to start somewhere. And then, the next thing I want to suggest you do is kind of think about what your shape is. Everybody shout shape. That's a word that I borrowed from Rick Warren, and it's really an acronym. And in his system, S stands for spiritual gifts. But if you're not a Christian, you don't even know what spiritual gifts are. So, just for the sake of this discussion, let's, let's say that uh, uh, as a reminder that we're talking about your shape. H stands for your heart. Heart represents your passion. So ask yourself the question you want to think about, where do I start to serve? Well, what's your passion? What, what, what makes your blood boil? When you think about an injustice or a wrong that's being done, uh, scripture says, blessed are they who hunger and thirst for righteousness. What, what, what is it that makes your blood boil? Maybe you, you start there. What is it that causes, uh, uh, what is it that causes your heart to race? When you think about engaging, you know, for, 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 for we hope those, 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 that small group of people meeting on Sunday, what caused their heart to race was that they could imagine changing the lives of 12 homeless people. What can you imagine? Everybody shout passion. What, what, what's your passion? Then what are your abilities? What's your natural abilities? Uh, listen, if, if working with young kids get on your nerves, don't sign up for the CYM program. <laughs> it's a mistake. But if you, can, if you enjoy smiling and, 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 and waving at people and shaking their hands and welcoming them in, then be a host. Think, think about what are your natural gifts. What, what is it that you can do or you can serve out of? Uh, and then... Uh, uh, think about your personality. What kind of personality do you have? And then lastly, think about your experiences. Everybody shout experiences. Here's a true story. Listen. There was a Christian leader, woman, 
who was diagnosed with breast cancer. She had gone through all the initial tests, had been confirmed. She was now sitting in the waiting room, waiting to figure out when her surgery was. A stranger, everybody say stranger, showed up there in the waiting room, came over and started to talk to her. The, the Christian woman first had her guards up because this was a stranger. She was acting, the stranger was acting not normal because she come over to talk to another stranger. Normal folk don't actually do that. So the, the stranger came and started talking and she said to the Christian woman, I'm a breast cancer survivor. And I, I know you're here to go in and I just want you to know I survived and I believe you're going to survive too. Christian leader, God started to come down. And the woman said, and by the way, I brought you a gift, a stranger, abnormal. I brought you a gift. She gave it to the woman. And the Christian leader opened the bag, pulled the tissue out, and pulled out a big tiger. Turns out the tiger had been handmade by a group of abnormal people. This group of abnormal people were folk, all who were breast cancer survivors. And they gave us a, 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 several hours of their time every week making these tigers. And they were big enough for you to put under your arm which, and, and hold up your arm in just the right way after the surgery to help recover. And then there was a tag attached to it. And on one side of the tag, the name of the tiger was there. And the name of the tiger was called, the name of the tiger was Courage. Every time that she'd look at the tiger, she'd be, she'd be Courage. And then on the flip side was the name and the phone number of the stranger. And it was her way of saying, she said, look, we're ready to walk with you through this experience. And this Christian leader just suddenly broke out crying. It's just melted. I mean, she's part of a church, but, but nobody from her church was there. This stranger, this stranger, this abnormal person, this not normal person shows up. And essentially says, I'm representing a group and we're going to walk with you through this whole experience. You talking about the love. It came out of their experience. We survived breast cancer and now we're taking what was a horrible experience and out of that is going to come ministry. What's your experience? And then after you look at your shape, trying to figure out where, where do I start, you, you, you have to make the decision. For some of you, it is, I'm going to start again. Everybody say, start again. Say again. Come on, say again. I mean, in other words, some of you have tried this. You, you went to work for a nonprofit, but it was so chaotic and so unorganized. It's out of that time, but that's... You joined the ministries in some church, but you know the leader was disconnected, the folk was disconnected. You was like, oh, come on, I don't want to do that. But, but, and so you just walked away. No, no, normal people quit. People who are not normal because it, they, they understand that giving sacrificial for others is a lifestyle they're trying to cultivate. They start again. They find another nonprofit. They find another ministry. And they keep working until they find a place where they can freely serve and see the, that, that God makes a difference through their service. That's not normal people. So start again. And then lastly, 
Lastly, uh, you need to decide what your time commitment is going to be. Let the one who will follow me turn from his selfish ways, turn from an agenda that is simply focused on me and pick up his cross, a commitment to sacrifice. And Jesus said, follow me. I'm going to show you. What's your time commitment? Not one imposed on you from up front here from the past. I'll just tell you, uh, they, they did a survey and they found out that the average time commitment of folk who are long-term committed that really makes a long-term difference in their life is two hours a week. Now, of volunteering. Now, I know that some of us think two hours a week. I'm too busy to sacrificially give two hours a week. So let me just respectfully, because I'm just not about, I don't want to guilt you or anything. I want you to just think about it. If you're too busy, maybe, maybe you are too busy to give two hours. Can you give an hour and a half? Can you give an hour? And if you're too busy to give an hour or an hour and a half or two hours to serving somebody other than you, just consider this. Is it possible that you may be just too busy? Too busy? So, what we're going to do is, that table set up in the back, what we're going to do, I'm, at the end I'm finished. What we're going to do is, uh, hopefully, we're going to practice uh, what I hope becomes the heart of this church. You know, I said a few moments ago that, uh, that small churches do a lot of the heavy lifting. But I came out of Boston and, and I know what happens when a church gets engaged and love sacrificially beyond its walls. I, 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 I've seen it through adopting schools and getting out on the street and talking to people who are in gangs and uh, uh, developing tutorial programs for underserved schools. And I've seen how the love of Jesus followers can change your life and the lives of others. So for the last year, we've been trying to get ourselves together. You know, we, 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 we polled, we, we had half of our small groups asked the question, what's one social issue that's causing concern? And out of that came a number of issues. We had a team that narrowed it down to five. Then we had five teams to research. And just a few weeks ago, they reported back for our transforming communities. And, and we're looking at what can this church do either in the area of affordable housing, in the area of homelessness or mental health or teen suicide or education. And at the beginning of next year, we're going to pick one of those uh, areas and we're going to figure out how to leverage our relationships and our faith to make a huge difference collaborating with somebody else. Why? Because, you know, two or three years from now, I want new beginnings to be known, not by the fact that they may have a good preacher that preaches on Sunday. I want us to be known by the fact that every week we release hundreds and, and at some point thousands of people into the community who unconditionally and unselfishly serve sacrificially to transform the communities around us. And if a small church can figure out how to take care of 12 people, what can 1,200 adults do? What 
can we do? And so, so we're practicing. Everybody say practice. We're practicing. We're practicing. We're you know, last week we said write a check. And if you haven't written a check, you should write a check. Ron and I, we're going to write a check. And we're going to write more than $39.95 because, because we can. And we want to, we want to, I hope that we will exceed our $30,000 goal because the folk we're going to uh, help need the help. 100% of all that money is going to be given. But here's what we're trying to teach. So we talked about writing a check. Everybody say write a check. Last week, this week, we're talking about signing up to go serve the organizations that the money is going to go to. Well, what's the point? It's nice to write a check. But go the extra mile and spend some time volunteering in the organization that you're funding. Get to know the people that's serving and the folk that's being served. That is the deepest of transformational experiences. So we're gonna, we want you to practice what we're going to be doing. Everybody say practice. practice. You know, practice this. So pull out your connection card. And, you know, for some of you, look at the next steps. For some of you, the next step is uh, to simply say, you know, I want to be a Jesus follower. I didn't know it was this exciting. <laughs> you should check that, right? But, but I, want, I want all of you to look at the serving Next step, I want to serve. I want you to look at that. I want you to look at that. And I want you to think about it just for a moment. Listen to me. The folk who show up on Saturday evenings, it's basically the same group of people every Saturday. Now, they don't complain about it because they're being transformed as they see what's happening. But it really shouldn't be just the same group of people in a church this big. There'll be tons of other people. They'll be able to rotate off weeks. Now, I tell you this, again, not to guilt you. I, I, I tell you this because I know that in a big church like this, when you walk in and you look around, you see things are happening, you think they got it all covered. They don't need me. So I just, I tell you this story because I want you to know you're needed. Tell the person next to you, you're needed. Tell them, tell them, tell them. Tell somebody else, you're needed here. Tell them, tell them, tell them. And you don't have to be a member or a partner. You know, that's what's amazing. You just want to be somebody who wants to grow. And look, if you've been coming for six months or more, and, and, and you just kind of come in, worship, hear good word, go out, you're kind of normal. I want to challenge you to be not normal. And you can be elderly in high school and college and all that. There's a place for you. There's, there's tons of stuff. So you, you, if you want to just try being not normal for a long check, I'll serve. And, we, and then return our call or email when we get, because we're not trying to get you necessarily to join the church. Don't worry about We just want to give you a chance to serve, to grow. And then lastly, if you're, if you're committed to uh, showing up in a few weeks, you're going to go back there and sign up, or you're going to go online and sign up uh, when this gathering is over, I want you to uh, uh, respond to this, this message. Now, let me tell you, here's, well, I, I hope, I talked to you about We Hope, but we have City Team, which is located in two places, in Oakland and San Jose. They do the same work that We Hope is doing. So, so, so hopefully you're going to sign up and go perhaps to one of those. 
And then there's Columbia Middle School. 60% of their students is on free lunch program or some version of it, which means these kids are coming out of poverty. Some of them are coming out of shelters. Surely we want to go and serve. And by the way, I'm going to take my wife and Lauren. We, we always we do this stuff together. I'm going to tell you why. Because if there's one thing that our kids need to learn, it is that they need to learn how to sacrifice for someone other than themselves. And our grandkids. And they need to learn that lesson right alongside of us as we learn that lesson. That's the challenge. So if you say, I, I, I'm ready to take the challenge, I just simply want you to write your response to this message. Simply write, I will practice radical sacrifice through serving. Turn your card in. God bless you.